Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you that it is true. Father, we thank you that we live it and we stand on it. Father, that it is our firm foundation as we go forward. We thank you today, Father, that as we hear your word, that our ears are open to hear. Father, that our hearts are good ground, that your word goes forth and is planted and seeded, Father, in the good ground of our heart, and then it raises up a harvest. In Jesus' name, we bind the work of the enemy to steal it, to, to curse it, to do any of those things. We are not under the curse. We are under the grace of Jesus Christ and his law. And we thank you, Father, that we have great fruit coming forth from this word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I wanted just to share a little bit as we move into our Easter messages uh, coming up the next couple weeks. And I guess today could be considered the first one. The name of the, the message is, He Knows Your Name. He Came to Recover. And, uh, you know, Easter was the biggest and is still to this day the biggest reclamation project there ever was. You know, there's always these TV shows where they're trying. Rachel, my daughter, is, is a lover uh, of, of TV shows where they come in and they reclaim this old house. You know, she's not just talking about some house that was built last year, 10 years ago. She's talking about, she watches these shows where they're all old Victorian homes that are just overgrown and, and, and dumpy. And then they come in and they make them all brand new and they use original wood and they go to these barns and they find all of these treasures and they reclaim these things. We have completely different tastes because it bores me to death when she does this kind of stuff. She fills up the DVR with it, so when she goes back to school, I just have to delete everything that she's taped for the whole week. Because if not, none of my shows get taped, and that's a little more important. She doesn't live there. I do. <laughs> but even bigger than some of these projects, I mean, she watches some of these things, and these homes are huge, and these people are putting tens and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars into these homes to make them all be brand new, to recover them, to restore them, to, to reclaim them. Easter was a bigger reclamation project than any 150-year-old house. Because God sent Jesus into the earth. And the project was designed from the time Adam and Eve fell until the time Jesus died on the cross. It was designed to reclaim, to recapture, and recover those who were lost. That's us. So the whole process and the whole project that, that he started back there all those years ago all came through for one reason, for you. For you and for me and for the person next to you and the person next to them. But we're all that important. I just have a couple of questions I ask you today. Are you lost? Have you ever been lost? I mean, you know what that's like? Are you lost? Have you lost something in your life? Has the enemy stole something from you? Did you have something one day and you just don't have it the next? Did you have something two years ago and it was just it felt so good to you spiritually in your life? And now two years later you're like, I just don't know what happened. You know, was it decisions that you made? Was it direction that you went? I, I don't know. Those are all questions that, that we can ask. But, but, but God can make the difference whether you made a mistake or not. But did, I mean, have you lost something in your life? Because he came really truly to restore. And then I guess the third question would be, do you know somebody who's lost? I think we all know folks. And in the end, we're going to have a chance really to put pencil to paper here or pen to paper and, and just take a minute and say, you know what? Who do I know that's lost? Who, who in my life needs Jesus? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a boss. I don't, I don't know who it is in your life. Maybe it's somebody who, who you used to go to school with and, and they used to go to church with you, but now they don't anymore. Maybe it's somebody who's never been to church and you decided, you know what? They might not ever go to church. <laughs> I ain't asking them to mind. Go ahead and ask them. We're happy people here. They don't have to sit with you. We, we, probably, we probably lead the league, no doubt, no lie. This happens all the time. I see a visitor standing around here, some guest, not been here before, looking around like this, and I say, oh, how you doing? Have you been here before? No, haven't been here before. Well, who invited you? 
And they'll say, like Clara did. And I say, oh, oh, great. Where's Clara? She's not here today. We lead the league in inviting people to church and then not showing up. So you're already dumping them on us, so it's all right. Just keep asking. We, we say, oh, that happens all the time, you know. And so now we have three services. You're liable to miss somebody along the way. But I just encourage you to remember what it's like to be lost. I guess lost spiritually, sure. But, but how about physically? How about when you went camping or you went someplace and, and you, just, you just you got lost? You didn't know where you were going. And then all of a sudden, you know, somewhere along the line, you realize, man, I'm lost. And panic starts to set in. And then you're not sure you're going to make it, and maybe you're on the road, and you're lost on these crazy back roads somewhere, and your gas tank's starting to go down, and you start getting nervous. You don't have any cell reception. Maybe you're in the woods, and you're walking around, and you used to know where you were, but now you don't. You just wanted to get lost for a few minutes because, you know, that feels kind of nice to just not have to worry about anything. But now you're, like, really lost. (laughs) See, and you start to panic. that's That's how the world feels. That panic that begins to set in. That's how, that's how people who are lost spiritually in their life, that there's, there's panic and there's fear and there's all of those things. Why? Because they're lost. They may not even know what they're looking for. But I'll tell you this, there's somebody that's looking for them. See, Jesus is always searching and seeking and looking. He came to save the lost. Have you ever lost anything? Doesn't that just, that just drives me bananas when I can't find something? When I lose stuff, that just that, that sends me over the edge. And believers, this happens all the time. Like I said earlier, maybe you were in a place a couple years ago and things were going great spiritually in your life and you just, you just sensed like his presence was with you and things were going all right. But now, man, something's just, not, something's just not there. It's just not happening. It's not clicking the way that it was. What, how, where, did it, where did it go? What did I lose? See, you can spend your whole life then trying to search and seek and find. I mean, you keep, don't you? Like when I lose something, man, that's it, man. The world shuts down until I find whatever it is that I lost. And believers many times, see, I'm looking in the wrong place. Believers many times are out trying to figure it out and find it out. But I have a wife and a daughter who, who they say temporarily misplaced. Sorry, first service I said lost, and she said no, temporarily misplaced. That's what everything is. It's never lost. It's just temporarily misplaced. It's different perspective. It's nice. It works for them. Again, it drives me crazy, but it works for them. But you know what they do? They pray. You know what they do? They ask God. They've learned to rely or lean into him and realize that when they do that, he brings those things that were once lost to the light. And you may say, well, in my life, I've lost a lot more than just my keys. Well, that's all right. He came to to find your keys because he cares about everything that you care about. And he also came to take care of you spiritually in your life and the things that the enemy has stolen or the things that you've lost there. He wants to restore that back to you as well. But you have to look to him and not to other people. Rachel will misplace something. It will be very important either to me, usually to me. She touches all my stuff. And she loses most of it. But it's okay, because I love her. And she goes, it's okay, Daddy. (laughs) And she makes her ponytail, you know, do that. And then she gives me a little kiss. Or she called, what she used to call me? Muppy. She called me Muppy. It's okay, Muppy. And she pets me on the head and gives me a kiss in my chair. (laughs) Awesome. Don't call me Muppy, but that's... that's, (laughs) Only the 18-year-old girl can... My daughter can do that. But you know what she says? It's okay, Daddy. Jesus will bring it back. 
And I say, don't you think Jesus has more important things than trying to find the stuff that you've lost? Why don't you keep your stuff straight? If you would keep your stuff straight, you wouldn't have to. But what I've realized over the years is, you know what? They're kind of right. Kind of. I mean, they, they probably need to keep a better track of their stuff. But, but you know, they're, they're right. If you, ask, if you ask him, he cares enough about you and your life to bring those things to the light. And this isn't a message about finding your keys or the long-lost book or the thing that you can't find, your favorite shirt or sweater or that one sock that never shows back up. It's not those things. Really, spiritually in your life, if you can take that same idea and that same principle then and transfer it to your life spiritually, the things that the enemy has stolen, the things that maybe you have lost in your life spiritually, you can gain back if you turn to him. Because it says he is the restorer and he is the one who came into this earth to recover. Not just us, but those things that have been stolen by the enemy. And if you look in 2 Kings, we'll start this story. Last service, I ended perfectly on time, so we're going to be great. 2 Kings, we started this last week in chapter 6, and it was a story about the guild of the prophets, and they came to Elisha because the house was full. And we followed them all the way down to the river in the first four verses to where they were cutting down some trees to build a bigger place. But if you go on past that, I only show this story or share this story to tell you Jesus loves you, cares about you, God knows all about you, and he cares about what you care about. Whether that be a test, whether that be a, a meeting that you have this week, whether it be a, a relational situation going on in your life with, with your maid or your kids or a friend, whether it be situations with your car, the stuff that, 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 that really is on your, that, that really matters to you in your day-to-day -day life, he cares about. I think sometimes we have a tendency to come to church and we think, you know what, my problems aren't that big, you know, they're not that big a deal in the whole scheme of things. And we talk about orphans or we talk about, you know, salvation and the world going to hell in a handbasket or whatever that might be. And we start thinking, you know what, my, my stuff, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to you. And if it's a big deal to you, he cares about it. And it says that he came into this earth to recover and to restore the biggest reclamation project ever, sending Jesus into this earth so that he can reclaim and bring back all the things that belong to his father and the family. And who's part of that family? We are. And if you read on past the point where they were going out and whacking down the trees and bringing them into the place to build a bigger house, in verse 5 it says, But as one of the prophets was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. As he was cutting, he had an axe, and he's, he's chopping away. You know, he's, and I, you know he's, he's smacking the tree and doing his thing. And the axe head breaks, and it flies off, and it lands in the water. Now, in those days, iron's a pretty big deal. You know, an axe for us today isn't that big a deal. I guess you just go get an axe. That's what I did, got an axe. You know what? They don't sell these. They sell the poles, handles, what do they call those? They sell the handles. They don't sell the axe heads. So I sawed one off. Daniel was appalled that I took a perfectly good axe and sawed it off. But they don't just sell these things. They sell the sticks, you know, that you use them with. So maybe you can knock that out and put a stick back in there later and you can have a new axe. But, but as that axe head went out and landed in the water, he cried out to Elijah. Now this is why this is important. He cried out and said, oh, my master, I've lost my axe and it was borrowed. It wasn't even his. So now he really is in trouble. See, his axe, you think, well, that's just an axe head. It's not that big a deal. But you've got to go back all of these years to this time. That was a big deal. Not only did he lose it, but it wasn't even his. So now he's going to have to answer for the fact that the axe head is in the water somewhere. That makes it important to him. 
See, you may have lost something and you may not think that it was a great deal or in the whole scheme of things. It's not. You know what? It is a big deal to God. Whether that's time with Him or whatever it is, whether it's just that feeling that He's with you all the time, whether it's that thing that says, you know what? I feel like I'm doing what God told me to do. If you've lost all of that, I'm telling you, that's a big deal to God. He cares. Because it matters to you. And as it went and it fell in the water, he said, it's borrowed. I heard somebody say one time, that was a real issue because he must have been a non-profit prophet. <laughs> he didn't have any, not my joke, so if it's not funny, it's not my fault. But it was in the water, you know, and so Elijah took a stick. He said, where is it? And he pointed, and Elijah took the stick, and he took the stick over there to where the water was. Now, this is Elisha. This is a guy who's dealing with all kinds of heavy issues, okay? They're doing miracles all over the place. Things are happening through 1 Kings and 2 Kings with Elijah and Elisha. This, this is just an axe head that's fallen in the water. But the man of God cared enough to recover it for this young prophet so that he didn't have to face the consequences of not having his axe head. It mattered enough to this young person that the prophet, the man of God, who was busy doing what God called him to do, remember, building a house because the house that they had was so small because they were growing so big, there was a lot going on. This seemed like a small thing. Don't think that what you're going through is a small thing. It's a big thing to you. And he throws the stick into the water, and then the the axe head floats to the top. And then he tells the man, reach out your hand and take it. See, he didn't just say, there it is. He didn't, you know, paddle it over. He reached out his hand and he grabbed it. How many of us know that when God restores and reclaims and brings things back into our life, as he recovers things that have been lost, we have to reach out in what? Faith. See, you have to reach out your hand in faith to take what he has made float in the river of Jordan in your life. In Joel, in chapter 2, it says that he will, that God will restore all the things that all of those horrible worms have eaten. The crawling worm, the eating locust, all those different locusts and eaters. It says, I will restore to you all the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Think about that, the years. How many people have said, I've wasted my life? No, you haven't, because God will restore to you the years. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, it says you'll eat plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dwelt wonderfully with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. He will pour it out and he will restore to you in your life, to me in my life, as we reach out in faith and grab hold of what he has. He knows everything about you. It's, it's, it's not like what you're, de- what you're dealing with and what you're going through is unknown to God. It wasn't like, really, Elisha was the prophet, okay? He didn't have to say, where's the axe head? He probably knew exactly where the axe head was. But what he did was he got this guy involved by saying, where's the axe head? It's right over there. So then Elijah did what he did. He did what the man of God would do. He threw the stick in. It floats to the top, and then he told him to reach out his hand. I am telling you, God knows everything about you. He knows what you're going through, and he cares about it. He wants to be involved. He cares about it. He gave his life for it. We think, well, that's pretty, that's pretty uh, audacious. You know, he gave his life for an axe head. Well, it says he gave his life so that he could recover all of those who were lost. And he also brought back and bought back and, and, and won back all of the dominion and the authority and the power that the enemy had stolen when Adam and Eve sinned. It says in Psalms 139, verses 13 through 17, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
You are, say this, fearfully and wonderfully made. God doesn't make junk. Well, I've kind of abused this body and it's not so wonderful anymore. Well, then God will restore to you the years. And God will restore to you your health. And God will restore to you. See, that's what he does. He restores and he reclaims. And Jesus came to recover. It says, Marvelous are your works, O Lord, that my soul knows very well. For my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written. The days are fashioned for me when, they are as yet none, when there was as yet none of them. So before your days ever existed on this earth, he has a book full of your days. He knows all about what you're going through and what you're dealing with because he wrote the book before you ever lived it. And he put the faith on the inside of you to get you from the beginning until the end. It goes on in the end. I love this. It says, rejoice with me. Oh, sorry. It says, and in your book, they're all written. It goes on and says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. He thinks about, he thinks about you. Now think about it. Now you're, you're married. How often do you think about your spouse? Yeah, you know. Probably not as much as you want to. All the time, Andy said. Nice answer, buddy. Good job. <laughs> now think about your kids. How often do you think about your kids? So you think about them all the time. I always thinking. My mine are 23 and 18 or 22. How are they? 22 and, eight, 22 and 18. It's restoring my mind. But I, I think about them all the time. I send Rachel texts. I send Daniel texts. How you doing, bud? I mean, I, I think about my kids. When they were little, I thought about them all the time. Be careful. Do this. Do this. You know, I'm always, I'm always praying for them and th- talking about them. And, well, what do you think God's doing? See, if Daniel lost something or Rachel lost something, we were right on it, man. Now, they were, she and Rachel were over there praying. Daniel and I were searching. But, you know, they were all over there having a little prayer session about what they lost. But, you know, whatever it is, we cared about it. How many of your kids lost something and you just went out and bought the same thing and then just kind of replaced it? Come on. Gerbert. Hey, Daniel's not here. Oh, he is. How you doing, bud? (laughs) He's hiding behind that camera. When Daniel was little, there was a doll that he liked. There was a puppet. You know, it was back before Barney and... It was these puppets, and we had the videos back here, and we'd take them home, and this little guy was orange, and he wore the... Stupid. He was orange, and he had these little shorts on, and his name was Gerbert, and and Daniel loved Gerbert, and he drug his Gerbert everywhere. Like, Gerbert didn't have any eyes because he'd scratched them off because he drug them on the concrete everywhere he went. And one day, he he lost Gerbert or something happened, so, man, we were, like, in a panic because he didn't have Gerbert. And how many of you know that doesn't go well with the little ones? So we went out and bought us a spare Gerbert. <laughs> so he had to scratch his eyes out on the front porch, you know, so that everybody knew that, you know. He's like, it's in the same Gerbert. He's got eyes. I want mine. No, it's yours. Scratching it off. But, you know, we, we cared enough about him that we would, you know, we would swap out Gerbert if things got, got south. God thinks about you. He knows about you. And he, and he cares that much about you. Because he may bring that thing back into your life or he may bring something else back into your life. That replaces that thing. See, His grace is sufficient. It covers you and it takes care of you. Too many times I think we find ourselves spiritually saying, well, you know what? I've done enough in my life. I probably deserve this. No, you don't. Yes, you probably have done enough in your life that you, you know, in the natural would probably deserve that. But you know what? His grace is sufficient for us that it, may, it takes care of the fact that we don't get what we deserve. 
Good stuff. Not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's a, I love you so much, I'm going to look over that and forget it. So don't go through life thinking that God's, God's going to restore these things to me, but he can't restore this over here because, you know what, I caused those problems and I messed up. It says that he is faithful and just in 1 John to forgive us of our sins, that if we repent before him, that if we ask forgiveness, it says he's faithful and just to forgive them, which means he forgets them and they are not there. So the penalty of those debts, the penalty of that sin, the penalty of that curse is on the enemy, not on you anymore because you are part of his family and his grace covers you in that situation so that you don't get what you deserve. Begin to believe that he will restore, reclaim, and you can recover. Amen. That's true. That's good. If you go on in Luke... It says in, first, in chapter 15, it's the story of the lost sheep. And, you know, I read this plenty of times, you know, and, and I've preached it and taught it and done all those kind of things. And there was just something that stood out to me this time. Because I think sometimes, you know, I mean, I've had a lot of chances. How many of you have been a lot of chances? I mean, I, I cried plenty of times at this altar, you know, and then ended up going back and ended up in the same kind of gunky stuff I, I was in before I, I came up here. You know, I mean, the world is, is full of that. The enemy throws condemnation, heaps it on people, keeps them out of the church. How many of you know, man, when that, when that stuff's coming, the first place you've got to turn is, is to Jesus. Get on your knees before him and, and get that thing out. But how many of you know the enemy keeps you out of church and he keeps you, he keeps you, keeps you locked up and held up somewhere? But here's the thing you've got to realize. Jesus came for that person. He came for that one who couldn't quit. He came for that one who kept falling away. He came for that one that lost everything. He came for that one that didn't want anything to do with him. See, even the one who didn't want anything to do with him, he came for that one. It says in Luke, in chapter 15 and verse 4, he says, What man of you, it's Jesus speaking, it's the parable of the the one lost sheep, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost. See, how many of you are, how many, well, yes, 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 we go after the one that was lost. And you know, I've read that scripture so many times, but I almost stopped there. Because I, I got the story. How many of you kind of read that way? Once you get to what's going on, you go on to the net, you just keep going ahead. But it says, he's going to leave everything to go after the one. The one who didn't care for him, the one that turned away, the one that spit on his face, the one that punched him. See, the one that, that, that said, no, I don't want anything to do with you. The one, that, the one that said, I want something to do with you, but went back to their lifestyle. I want something to do with you, but went back to their lifestyle. The, the, the repetitive sinner. He, he came for that one. And then it says, if I, I read on, and it was just, it just, my eyes became open. My eyes became open. He goes on and he says, not only did I go after that one which is lost, but I went after the one which was lost until I found it. It says he goes after the one that was lost until he finds it. So that no matter, no matter, until your very last breath on this earth, he is still out there looking for you if you're lost. That's good news. That's good news. It says he goes after the one, even until the end, he's coming after, he goes after the one who was lost until he finds it. Too many people say, man, God's got to have given up on me. No, he hasn't. If he didn't give up on me, he is not going to give up on you. I'm just telling you. Well, I keep making the same mistake. I just, you know what? Just keep getting back up. Lean into his grace. 
Thank God for his mercy. Live in it. That's why you can get back up. But lean into his grace so you don't keep making that mistake. You got to keep moving forward because he's still looking for the lost one. And here's the deal that's really neat. God specializes in recovery. That's what he does. We were all lost, it says in Isaiah. It says, we are all like sheep. We've gone astray. And Jesus comes back into the picture and is crucified on the cross. Why? So he can gather his sheep together every last one. Every one. He doesn't want any of them to get away. Jesus said in Luke, if you look in chapter 19, verse 10, he said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. That's what Jesus said. I came into this earth to seek and to save those who are lost. And Luke 4.18, get this. He says, I have come to give recovery of sight to the blind. He came to recover. I came to bring life, he says. I came to set the captives free, he says. But then he says, I came to give recovery of sight to the blind. So not only did he come to recover us for salvation, but he came to give us back all of the things that the enemy has stolen from us in our life. That's good stuff. The usher's going to pass out a little thing right now. And I asked you earlier, Who do you know in your life who needs Jesus? Maybe there's somebody, man, who you're like, you know what? There ain't no chance for that person. Put him on here. Because who's looking for him? Jesus is. See, it says you're never too lost that he stops looking for you. So on this list, there's a list of five people. There's five lines. In your life, you can do it now, you can do it later, whatever it is, begin to pray and ask God, who are, those, who are those top five people that you're believing that will come back to the Lord? Maybe it's as close to you as a mate. Maybe it's as, the person's as close to you as a child. Maybe it's somebody in your life. Maybe they were with you. They, you brought them to church, but man, they got a little older. They started making decisions and, and they're just not here anymore and they're doing their own thing. And it just breaks your heart as a parent to see your child not put their name on here. Because you're going to begin to stretch our hand out in faith and bring back and recover those who are lost. The prodigals have to come home. They have to. They have to. The one thing you don't have to tell a prodigal is that they're wrong. Because a prodigal wakes up every day knowing the truth and having to stand and live against that truth in their life. They are tormented by their own sin. They don't need you tormenting them. Spoken from a prodigal who for years for years I knew I was wrong just to just just take a minute just pray God you haven't left me have you I'm sorry every day It says in Luke in chapter 15 a little later, it says this guy wakes up in the pig pit and realizes, oh my gosh, what in the world is going on? There will come a day. See, there will come a day where they will wake up 
And we pray today for these on this list that they wake up, that they wake up, that they come to their senses, that they see the truth. And you say, well, I've told them 15 different ways. Well, you know what? Pray the 16th different way and let somebody else tell them, baby. You reach out, you speak to them, do whatever God tells you to do. But don't stop praying for them. Jesus went after the lost one until he found it. He never gave up, so why should we? It's not set in stone yet. We're still, we're still talking to some folks and still trying to work on bringing something to town called the 99. In August, August 31st through September 23rd are the dates that that Terry Henshaw gave me, and it's a, they travel around these giant air domes, and, and in this town, there'll be, there'll be somewhere between twenty and 25,000 people that will go through it, and he has about a 25 to 40% rate of salvation as people come through this thing. It's all the ways that teenagers die. Car wrecks, drug overdose, bullying, fighting, suicide, all those kind of things. It depicts it graphically, but I am telling you what, people come out of that tent, just tell me how I received Jesus. My life's a mess. They write down their problems. They write down their issues. You sit there with them. You lead them to Jesus. You pray for them. And then you hook them up in your church. Woo! Getting people saved and changing the city. Now, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Give the Lord a hand. That's good stuff. You don't clap. That's a problem. See, if that doesn't fire you up, if that doesn't stir you up, if that doesn't get you going saying, you know what? There are lost people out there. I know you got five here. Get out and get five there. God's going to take care of these five. You keep praying. You keep doing what, you, what God said. You keep planting seed. You keep putting it in there. I'm telling you what, he will make a difference. I just, I believe this has been on my heart for four years, five. I don't remember when I saw This was a long time ago. I saw this in Florida. And I'm telling you what, it, it never left me. This is powerful to be able to put your hand on this, to write those names. That is reaching your hand out in faith and taking back what the enemy has taken. That is recovering what the enemy has tried to steal. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. So take your paper. You may have written something down. You may not have. Father, I thank you right now that you speak to us, the people we're to put on here. I thank you, Father, that you're, you're, you're working behind the scenes. Father, that these who are prodigals, Father, are coming to their senses. These who are lost and have never known you, Father, are finding salvation for the first time. That if we get to be a part of it, thank you, Jesus. If we're planting seeds, if we're watering, if we're reaping, we want to be a part. But what we will be a part of, Father, is stretching our hand out in faith and praying. Father, that prayer goes before the breakthrough. And I thank you right now that we intercede on behalf of all the names that are put on this list that they will come in to the kingdom that not only Jesus will you not stop looking after and looking for the lost we will not stop standing with you and praying for them in this house in Jesus name stand up with me real quick this is what I want. You put people's names on this, you're going to see them get saved. Write it down on the offering envelope. Start telling people. Because I'm telling you what, man. You start seeing God's hand move. You say, well, nobody's arm grew out. Not yet. But I'll tell you what. We got people getting saved. People's lives being changed. Write that stuff down. We've got sun stand still prayers out there. We've been talking about it for three weeks. God starts shining a light somewhere. The sun stops over the top of your house. You start writing that down. Start telling somebody. It says in Revelations, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. It's okay to get your hopes up. It's okay to believe. I know you've been saying, well, I've been praying for that person for years. Don't stop praying for him. Pray for him for another year. Amen.
Maybe you're in here and we got to close and we're going to pray. Maybe you're in here today and you're lost. I, I don't know all of you who are here. There's lots of guests, people I don't know. But maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, man? My relationship with Jesus is a mess. And I need to fix it. I, I, I need to. I, I just, you just continue to intercede. It says really truly as you read on in those passages that he was rejoicing with the one who came home. So maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I used to know him, but I mean, my life is a wreck. It's been a mess. I haven't been following what I know to follow. It's time for me to turn around. It's time for me to come back home. It's, it, it's better in my father's house than it is in this pig slum. Is there anybody here today saying, man, that's me, man. I'm lost and I got to get it fixed. I got to be found. Just raise your hand right where you are. It's all right. We're just going to pray. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Raise them up high. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else anywhere? Come on. Come on. Where are we? Where are we? I see you. I see you. I see you. Come on. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? I'm telling you, it's a great time. It's a great time. God's moving. God's doing some things. Come on down here. I know it's a big step. Come on down here. It says that boy reached out his hand to grab that axe head. Give him a hand as they come. It's all right. Come on down. Come on down here, my brother. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.